what you do at Inatech is you take the specifications from the customers and you bring them down to the software engineers. Yes, y yes, that's, that's right. Well, then I just have to ask, why couldn't the customers just take them directly to the, to the software people, huh? Well, I'll, I'll tell you why. Uh, because engineers are not good at dealing with customers. So, you physically take the specs from the customer? Well, no, my, my secretary does that, or the facts. So then you must physically bring them to the software people? Well, no. Yeah, I mean, sometimes. Uh, what, what would you say you do here? Well, look, I already told you. I deal with the goddamn customers so the engineers don't have to. I have people skills. I am good at dealing with people. Can't you understand it? What the hell is wrong with you people? Certain long, Prescott runs it up the middle. 15, 10, 5, diving to the run. Oh, he's, that's what I'm talking about. 35, 17, your boys took care of business. You always talk about Dak Prescott. Let me tell you what Dak Prescott did. 158.3, that's the quarterback rate. Four touchdowns. Dak Prescott let them boys up. Those boys, first game of the season, let's go. We have a novel virus with a mortality rate in the low 20s. No treatment protocol and no vaccine at this time. That is correct. From here on out, I want no one working on this except the BSL-4. The last thing we need is for this thing to walk out of the lab on the bottom of someone's ship. They appear on television so often that their faces are as familiar to the public as presidents and movie stars. They are the Dallas Cowboys, America's team. Welcome back to the Zero to One Hundred podcast. This is episode thirty-four. Uh, this is my season two. So in this episode, uh, because the only sports that's really going on is the NFL offseason, I have uh, my guest is my brother Corey and my friend Aaron, and we're talking Cowboys. We talk about the uh, offseason moves that they've currently been involved in and. Also, our feelings on uh, Jason Garrett no longer being there with uh, new head coach Mike McCarthy. Uh, whenever I talk about Jason Garrett, I always feel like that clip from old school where the guy is trying to explain to these evaluators what his job is. That's like how I feel like every Cowboys fan felt about Jason Garrett. It's like, what do you do? Like, they took away his play calling. 
Um, he doesn't seem like he creates this great scheme with his offense anyway. So it's like it, it was all. And then even this past year, even when the offense was doing well, nobody really gave him credit. It was more credit being given to Keller Moore. So it's always like, well, what, what do you do here? Like, what would you say that you do? So uh, we talk about the Cowboys and we talk about their offseason moves and what we're looking forward to uh, with the season. And then as I promised, uh, I have the second half of my conversation um, with my cousin, Ebony, who's a, a doctor and administrator at a, a clinic in Indianapolis. Um, and we, it's the finishing conversation about Corona, which is really all that is it's on everyone's minds it's it's all that we seem to be thinking about talking about especially if you turn on the news and and stuff like that and it's ever changing each and every day i mean when this conversation was recorded it was last saturday so it was um actually i'm sorry not even this past saturday it was the saturday before that and so much has changed since then um, but it, I still wanted to include it just to hear some of the different things that we talked about in the conversation. Um, let me know what you thought of the last episode where I had Ebony and also uh, Christina and her girlfriend Lynette on and we talked about Corona. Um, so again, this one is more, it's more Cowboys than the Corona, but um, I'm also going to share my thoughts on, on some other things as well. But it's a, another a supersized episode. I hope you guys enjoy it. Uh, again, if you want to join the conversation, just email the show at zero to one hundred pod at gmail.com. That's the number zero T O the number one hundred P O D at gmail.com. And uh, be sure to check it out on Apple uh, Podcast, Spotify, uh, Anchor, uh, Google, uh, pretty much anywhere where you, you uh, get your podcast, you can find it. Just search Zero to 100 Podcast. Oh, also SoundCloud. Uh, so, without further ado, I'm going to get right into it. This first part is the conversation with my brother, uh, Corey and Aaron, and we're talking Cowboys. Let's go. This is the Zero to One Hundred podcast. I am joined by two guests. I have my uh, brother Corey. What's up? Hey, everybody. And I'm also joined by our friend Aaron, part of our fantasy football league. Uh, it's been a while since you've been on. How you doing, Aaron? I'm good. How about yourself? I'm doing good. So I wanted to have you guys on because I wanted to talk some Cowboys because, especially with no sports going on, the only thing that's happening is uh, NFL free agency, and plus I didn't get a chance to talk to y'all since the season ended in disappointment. So uh, my first question is, how do you guys feel about the new coach, Mike McCarthy? Um, I guess I'll, I'll go first. Um, it, it's funny, like, how, how his uh, tenure ended in Green Bay, well, it, it makes me a little apprehensive about what he's going to be in Dallas. But then on the other hand, he you know he seems like a professional coach, and and you know even if he wasn't as creative with Aaron Rodgers, he seems to have learned from his time there, and he also seems to be more in charge as, as, at least than Jason Garrett. So I feel like you know he may not he wouldn't have been my choice, but um, I almost feel like anybody would be an upgrade over Jason Garrett, and he has experience in the playoffs and and winning football, and so. I'm 
cautiously optimistic um, for Mike McCarthy. Okay, Aaron, how you feel? Okay, well, and I was actually going to say what Corey just said as far as, listen, after coming off to all these years with Garrett, he's definitely an upgrade. <laughs> now, when I, when I like to look at Mike McCarthy, I was looking at all the other options, and yeah, he's not the, the, the sexy option that everybody won as far as, you know, the Lincoln Riley and these other college coaches. However, Mike McCarthy, he has won a, a Super Bowl. He, mm-hmm. you know, and yeah, was there, Aaron Rodgers. Um his regular season record. I mean, he's won. He's won at least sixty-two percent of the games. Mm-hmm. He has a winning record in, in the postseason. Um, I, and I looked at his thirteen years with Green Bay. He's made the playoffs nine out of thirteen times. With those nine appearances, he was actually only one and done three times in the playoffs. So that lets me know that you know he's an offensive-minded coach that definitely knows what he's doing. Um, I think the year off probably helped him you know, kind of look around the league and kind of see, you know, these more innovative offenses come out with this spread amount of type football. So the only question mark that I have is going to be on defense mm-hmm. with Mike Nolan and that approach. Because, yeah, we're going to blitz more, but if there's going to be a big learning curve for the players because they said uh, Marinelli had a simple offense. Mm-hmm. Versus now we're going to, you know, they said they haven't chosen a scheme yet. We're going to choose the players first and then figure out the scheme. So we could have a 4-3 or 3-4. So I could see that leading to confusion early on in the season. The, especially with with the whole corona thing, you know, like they already said they're not having the mini camps or the OTAs mm-hmm. in April. So, you know, it's – it's going to be a bit of a, a, you know, growing pains to it for sure. I, I would say, like I, 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 like, I agree with both of y'all. Like, I feel the same way. Like, I was just happy Jason Garrett was going. Like, it was like, I, I kind of, I was like, I didn't even care at that point. Like, by the end of the season, I was like, in fact, like, I don't know if I um, told you guys, but I know I said it to Corey. Like, I had that fear that Dallas was going to backdoor their way into the playoffs, and Jay, uh, Jerry Jones is going to sit there and go, well, if we just had this, uh, you know, I'm going to bring Jason Garrett back. So, uh, you know, <laughs> it, it, like, so I, I'm going to ask y'all, when the season ended and he wasn't fired, like, on Black Monday, did either one of y'all have, like, a fear that Jerry Jones was talking his way into keeping Jason Garrett? Man, I'll tell you what, that right there had me nervous. Because I'm like, all right, <laughs> we didn't miss Black Monday. He's still here. Um, he's having all these meetings. So I'm like, what mm-hmm. the hell is going on? Like, like, come on, man. His time is up. Just show him the door. Exactly. So, yeah, I was definitely uh, nervous. How about you, Corey? Yeah, I was. Uh, I, I, I mean, like, I, I guess I didn't pay that much attention to it because I was just like, there's no way he can bring him back. They missed the playoffs. Like, the only way. He was going to save his job as if they had made it to the NFC Championship. And then there were all those rumors, you know, about him trying to talk his way back into the job or, or possibly some other position. And so, you know, like, I, I was kind of like, just fire him and, and get the new coach already, especially when um, some of your other coaches were getting jobs. And I was, like, worried they were going to miss out on a good candidate, you know. Mm-hmm. But, um, I, I mean, I'm, I'm glad – 
they came to their senses or, or maybe they knew what they were doing all along. But. So, yeah, I, I mean, I'm overall, I'm, I'm happy with the hire. Um, like, I don't know if you guys got to see when uh, it was NFL Network, Tom Pelissero, who did like a, a piece on McCarthy before, and he was showing what he was doing in the offseason, how he had got like this think tank of coaches together, and he was just breaking down game film from the entire season. So it's like when I saw that, I was like, okay, I, I'm sold. Because, yeah, I, I'm like when they first hired him, I was with you guys. Like, it's not the sexiest hire. It's not the most exciting hire. But I feel like, you know, call me a sucker or whatever, but I'm optimistic now because it's like, one, just because it's somebody different than Jason Garrett, so I automatically feel better about it. Um, I was going to jump right into what do you guys think about the uh, free agency moves, but first let me ask you all, because this just broke tonight, that Travis Frederick retired. So, Mm -hmm. like, that's – I was like, when I saw that, my reaction was like, Dang, I was like, what? Like, cause it's like I'm glad they re-signed Joe Looney, cause he, when he was out the year before, Looney was okay filling in. But like, how do you guys feel? You guys concerned about? It? Are you worried about how that's going to impact the draft now? Like, are y'all go? Are we looking at offensive linemen earlier than, or like, how do you guys feel about it? Um, I was going to say that. Well, go ahead. Aaron. Okay, I'm sorry. No, I'm just saying, I think it now will affect our draft because I was looking around at available centers via free agency. Mm-hmm. There's really nothing out there. So we're better off with Joe Looney. Then I looked at the draft. Now, they said the Cowboys have the 17 pick. Mm-hmm. So if everyone that we want is gone, then there's a rumor that we're just going to trade out of the first round to acquire some more second-round picks. And I think if they go that route, then that's when they're going to draft a center. So the best center available is out of Wisconsin, Tyler, Biodaz, or something like that. I'm not sure it's not his last name. But I mean, but he, I was looking at him, um, you know, I, I saw him during the uh, NFL Combine. So, mm-hmm. you know, they, he's about 6'4", 315. He has great athleticism, very polished blocker. And, you know, for people that follow college football, you know, Wisconsin – they always produce great offensive linemen. So I'll say with, with the way our team is built, we definitely need that center because, mm-hmm. you know, like I didn't understand this until later in life, but I didn't realize that that center is the most important guy on the offensive line. Yeah. I mean, you know, he, he's a guy who's putting the skilled players in position to make plays, make sure that running back has the holes, make sure the quarterback has time to throw. So, yep. yeah, it's a big deal. Yep, he be making the line calls, like, yeah. It is a big deal. Uh, Corey? Yeah, it, and, and uh, I'm glad Aaron uh, brought up the center from Wisconsin. Like, I haven't paid that much attention to college football, but I know Jonathan Taylor had a big season. And I remember when they drafted Travis Frederick in the first round, and I was kind of like, well, who is this guy? Yep. And, and, you know, they were saying that he might have been available in the second round. And so if the uh, center from Wisconsin can be – you know, as good as, well, maybe not as good as Travis Frederick, but, uh, you know, offensive linemen coming out of Wisconsin, and that would be a good thing. But it, it was kind of, I mean, I'm glad that they brought Looney back. And, mm-hmm. you know, we kind of had a preview of what the team looked like without Travis Frederick mm-hmm. um, the year before when he missed. And so 
you know, uh, Looney is obviously not as good as Frederick, and there will be some drop-off. But maybe, you know, they won't lose as much continuity because he's familiar with the system. Mm-hmm. And he played a full year as a starter. And, you know, it's also then, like, with Mike McCarthy coming in, they're kind of starting fresh. So, I mean, I'm glad they have Looney. Like, he's used to being in the room and playing with the other players. So you have that, so you're not exactly starting from scratch. But it, it really is a blow because I'm, I'm, I wonder, though, like them re-signing Looney, if they had some idea that Frederick might retire. Um, because it, it, uh, otherwise it's kind of like it does throw everything into, you know, kind of a tailspin where it's like, you know, they might have had an idea about what they wanted to get in the first round. But, you know, they may trade down to get more picks to get more players. But. I mean, it, it kind of sucks, but you, know, you understand like what the uh, the disease that he has and him. You know, I was reading an article of him talking about how he kind of rearranged his priorities and stuff, and so it's unfortunate. But I, I'm glad it's happening early in the offseason rather than later. I agree, and it, I, I, like they drafted last year the um, center from Penn State, uh, Connor McGovern. Because he played center at Penn State, and I remember they actually was like when they drafted all the experts I was seeing and the draft people were saying how this dude was a, a starter, like he was an NFL starter, and like I think they had drafted him because he was supposed to compete with Connor Williams at left guard, and so now I could see him competing with Joe Looney. I mean, he got hurt, uh, like he had a, a pec uh, injury, and then he ended up missing the whole season, but. Uh, I guess I could see him competing possibly with Joe Looney to see if he could be the starter. But even still, like, yeah, I, I feel good about Looney. So, and I'm like, like you said, Corey, I'm happy that it happened early as opposed to happening like right before the season or, or you know, right after the draft when you didn't already made your plans and stuff. But let me uh, jump into the free agency, especially the Cowboys' approach to it. And let me just say this. So free agency has been going on now, and for the last couple of years, the Cowboys have not been very active in it. Like, they like to take the approach, which I call, it, it looks like they're dumpster diving. Like, they don't go after the big, they don't go after the big money dudes. They wait for, like, the second tier or the third tier guys they can get on a one-year deal or cheap deals like they just look like they going through the the walmart dvd bargain bin like oh this this is only five dollars let me get this like me personally it irritates me a bit because i feel like they could go after at least some pieces especially when you see other teams around you doing stuff like you see the eagles trading for darius slay and then you like come on now or they just let Byron Jones walk. I mean, we'll get into that. But how do you guys feel about the um, the uh, Cowboys' free agency approach? And I'm starting with you, Aaron. What do you think? I would say I'm kind of used to this approach now because we've taken this over the past few two years. So I would say mm-hmm. the GM Jerry Jones, he's kind of doing this more frugal approach, and, and like you said, kind of bargaining stopping. And, I mean, yeah, and like you said, we're watching these other teams, you know, especially in the, the division, making moves. I'm like, man, well, we could have traded for, for that guy. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that, that does bother me. But, however, if nothing else, 
if I don't like anything else about Jerry Jones, I will say Jerry Jones does know how to put a count inside the locker room. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of sitting back and trying to trust what he's doing, and then I'm, you know, reading rumors every day. So I'm not excited thus far. Now, I, I will say, you know, with the big club, haha, Clinton Dick, at least we have a safety that's respectable. Now, you know, he's not by any means making a big splash at NFL. Yeah, I mean, I followed him in college. He mm-hmm. was a decent college with, with, with Alabama. So I'm hoping maybe this is his chance to kind of turn it around because now he does help create turnovers, which mm-hmm. is something our defense has been lacking. So I'm excited about that. Um, I would say Gerald McCoy, he's older, but we got him as a, at a good deal, mm-hmm. you know, to hopefully, you know, put up the middle help with the run game. So now I'm kind of sitting back and watching because if we look at the biggest needs, obviously we lost Robert Quinn. He got I mean, now, don't get me wrong, he has a motor. He got overpaid five yeah. years five years for $70 million or something like that. So, yeah, I, I'm not mad about that because I wasn't trying to pay him that much money. But we do need an edge rusher now. So, you know, you have the Everson Griffin that's out there and said that he would love to play for Dallas. You have um, Jadavion County, and I don't know what he's doing. He did mention before the season that, that he would only sign with a contender because they said of Dolphins, Offered him seventeen mil a year, and he rejected it. So oh, I, I didn't know, know that. Wait hmm? Yeah, I didn't know that. I didn't know that the Dolphins had yeah. offered him seventeen. Yeah, and, and he turned it down. So I don't know if he's trying to wait to see his options, but the longer he waits, the better he'll come. Mm-hmm. Have a nice bargain. You know, even that quarterback. Like I'm looking at the people out there. Like say from the Vikings. Xavier Rhodes. Mm-hmm. Now, he kind of fell off a little bit, but I think he's still solid. Mm-hmm. So that's someone that we could find at a cheap price. Um, how about Akeem Talib? You know, he, he's coming off an injury, but he's probably out there for a really cheap price. And, you know, but there's, so there's other options along with we're going to need a, a slot receiver said um, Red O'Cobb, that's the first action. So I'm looking to see how that play out. Right now, they're, they're looking at Philip Dorsett. So I assume that they're trying to find someone with speed to fill that void. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have Demarcus Robinson on the team. I mean, so there's still a lot to be done in Dallas. So I'm kind of sitting back and, and just waiting, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Corey? Yeah, I mean, it, it seems like their approach is, they're going to pay the people that they drafted, and they're not going to put a lot of money in the free agent. And, you know, like, I guess on the one hand, you can say, oh, well, that's good. They're not going to, you know, tie themselves up by giving big money to somebody who's not going to pay out. But it, it seems like they have had really bad luck with paying their players. You know, they it seems like once they get that money, they kind of lose that hunger mm-hmm. or whatever, and their production drops. And so, you know, if their if their approach is more going to be let's build to the draft, then you know that's probably better because you get really talented players on uh, team friendly contracts. And so, you know, like the one I guess is the move that I'm kind of like jealous that they missed out on or whatever was Darius play like this. He could have been had for a third and a fifth round pick. Like he's still a really good corner, 
and that's something that they need and having lost um, Byron Jones, but the Eagles also gave him a new deal, and so maybe they weren't interested in giving Slay yeah. a new deal. I think... Um, and, and that's the thing, I guess, as you always said, that, you know, with trades or whatever, because even the DeAndre Hopkins trade, apparently he wants a new deal. Um, but, I mean, even still, like, the, the Texans, you know, gave him up for way too little. But, yeah. I mean, as far as Dallas is a coach, if they can nail the draft, then, I, you know, I'll feel better about it. But it, it, it all comes down to, you know, how they do in the draft. I think... In terms of the Darius Slay move, and this a, this actually that's a good transition to me for this next question I have for y'all. Like it didn't bother me as much because I figured, especially because the Eagles gave him a new deal. My thought was, why would you give up draft picks and pay a new deal when you could have just paid Byron Jones and you'd have been straight? So, like, how do you guys feel about some of the people that the Cowboys have lost? Like starting with Byron Jones, are you, like, were you cool that they let him walk because they didn't want to pay him, like, 17 or 16 mil a year because, like, he's the sec well, like, now he's the second highest paid corner, but he was the highest paid before the Slay deal. Like, Corey, how do you feel about them letting Byron Jones walk? <laughs> okay. So, I would say I'm, uh, I'm okay with them letting Byron Jones go because, you know, as good as he was, I feel like his, status as a shutdown corner was overblown because it was the kind of thing where I feel like teams didn't go at him because they had an easier chance on the other side against um, Cheeto. And so, you know, Byron Jones, like, I more remember the plays that he didn't make, like the bad penalties at the worst opportunity, you know, the, most, the worst time um, in playoff games or whatever where he's getting a pass interference or a holding call or something. So he's a good player, but you know I feel like if they if they you know kind of scout well and do well in the draft, like to drop off from him to you know maybe a good first round corner or to Jordan Lewis is not as bad as people think it would be. Mm-hmm. What you think, Aaron? You know, and Corey hit the nail right on the coffee when he said when it comes to Byron Jones, I remember the plays he didn't make and I feel that same way. Like Byron Jones, he just I mean, now let's be honest, we we had other places to go with that money. Mm-hmm. So I was okay with letting him go. It, it was expected. And when I saw the deal he got with the Dolphins, to me he wasn't worth that money. He got what, the five years for eighty two point five million. Yeah. So so um, I know every year, pro football focus, they rank every position. By week 17, Byron Jones was actually the number 17 ranked corner overall. And, they, and that's based upon, you know, the force incompletion rate and the yards per reception. Mm-hmm. So for him to be ranked number 17 corner, and for me as well, like I never really saw him as a shutdown corner because, again, I always see the plays that he did make that yeah. he should have made that could have forced that third down. You, you know, it, it was over the third down that, you know, there to play that's going to happen on the side, whether it's a penalty or something. So I was okay with letting him go, and there are some options in the draft. Like, you know, depending on what direction we want to go, I know C.J. Henderson from Florida, mm-hmm. he, he's shooting up the board in the first round. Uh, even if we go to the second round, AJ, AJ Terrell from 
Clemson. You know, you have Trayvon Diggs from Alabama, mm-hmm. yeah. Christian Fulton at LSU. So there are some solid corners that have the same size. I think that's what Dallas liked about him. He, he had nice size for a corner. Yeah. But I feel like he didn't He didn't play hard to me. Like, I thought he was kind of, you know, and maybe it's because they didn't always go to his side. So he felt like he could take some plays off. And maybe those plays he wanted to take off are the times that they went after him. But, but, yeah, overall, I'm okay with him going. Yeah, I mean, I, I I feel like he was solid. But, yeah, I think it was like you said, Corey. I feel like they – he was a shutdown corner because teams had an easier – like, easier pickings with Cheeto. Like, Cheeto fell off. Like, I don't comprehend – like, his rookie year, he looked decent. Um, uh-huh. I think even his second year – like, because even when teams was coming at him – he was still playing tight coverage, and you just was like, people was just making great catches on him, and you're like, oh, well, it's not bad coverage. He's he right on it, dude. That was just a great catch. But that last year, he was he was garbage. He was pure trash. <laughs> like, it was, it was just, it didn't make no sense. Let's go! The drug ribavirin has been shown to be effective against this virus. Yet, Homeland Security is telling the CDC not to make any announcements until stockpiles of the drug can be secured. Well, Dr. Gupta, there continue to be evaluations of several drugs. Ribavirin is among them. But right now, our best defense has been social distancing. No handshaking, staying home when you're sick, washing your hands frequently. Let me bring in Alan Crumwoody into this debate as well. Uh, Alan's a freelance journalist. Uh, he was uh, the first to track the Shinko Busman video. Uh, Alan, uh, today on Twitter, you, you wrote that the truth about this virus is being kept from the world by the CDC, by the World Health Organization, to allow friends of the current administration to benefit from it, both financially and physically. Uh, There are therapies we know are effective right now, like forsythia, and they don't even appear on the CDC website. Uh, On your blog, you also wrote that the World Health Organization is somehow in bed with pharmaceutical companies? Because they are. That's who stands to gain from this. They're working hand in glove. So that was the uh, first part of my conversation uh, with Corey and Aaron talking about Cowboys. Um, The clip that (laughs) was just played was actually from the movie Contagion, which I haven't seen yet. Uh, I plan on seeing it. I know a lot of people have been watching that. Like I watched Outbreak last week. Um, it's It's a little too close to home right now, but I just saw that clip and I had watched it. I was like, yo, that's crazy, especially like, when they were talking about social distancing, which is what we all should be doing right now. And um, I thought it was a good way to open up the the section of the podcast when I'm uh, playing my conversation with my cousin Ebony um, and we're talking about Corona. And I'm not a conspiracy theorist. No, I'm not. But I definitely do believe, especially when it comes to pharmaceutical companies and like uh, you know, money and profits and stuff like that. You could almost see what that, like Jude Law's character was like this big time conspiracy theorist in the movie. And um, you could see the ties to that and, and stuff like that. And I'm not saying that's what's going on right now. Again, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but I just thought it was a good clip to include, especially with the craziness that's going on right now. And I just thought, again, it was just a good opener to the conversation that I have with my cousin Ebony, especially because we actually do kind of get into the coverage of this pandemic and, you know, 
how it tied in, especially when it first started. Like um, this again, this conversation was not this past Saturday, but Saturday before that, and so much has changed since then. Like you know, my viewpoint in regards to everything has shifted as well, especially with the more information that's been coming out and the way that um, this has been spreading and how it's ever seems to change like every day. So the way that we do talk about it was like way at the early stages, like even right when they just first started calling for the big time social distancing, but it was before the shelter in place and all that. So um, this is the conversation I have with my cousin Ebony. This is the zero to 100 podcast. Anything that's newsworthy. I mean, I have never believed, I was telling my mom, I've never believed in conspiracy theory, Mm -hmm. really. But there are some times where things are known or things are created. I mean, like, Mm -hmm. you know, the Tuskegee experiment was a real thing. Um, And so where things have happened um, and seeing that this is an election year and they, you know, you've seen like the posts that have gone around that like, hey, stay woke. They always do this in an election year and things like that. I don't know that this isn't something that will, that is in place specifically to um, decrease voter turnout. Like uh, my state isn't one that participated in Super Tuesday or mini Super Tuesday. And so mm-hmm. we still have our primary elections coming up. Um, and I question if that is something that stopped the momentum of, because now, I mean, we were seeing all the coverage about the Democratic, Mm -hmm. um, you know, election, and now we don't see that at all. You know, all that it's about is Corona, Corona, Mm -hmm. Corona. And so I question that. I really do, um, because... Yeah, it's just, it's incredible. And the fact that it's affecting the economy the way that it is and stuff, it's just such a snowball effect. I'm, I'm just... It's, I mean, it's really interesting to see. It's funny because I, I know what you mean and... Um, I, like when it was a, you know, I had an episode where I had two of my friends on and we were talking about conspiracy theories and why does it seem like, for example, black people seem to buy into conspiracy theories more than others. And I was, and we, we, we all brought up the fact that because there's been things especially done to black people in the black community that one would say is a conspiracy, but it's been proven to be true like like the Tuskegee experiments, like uh, just look at just the justice system in general and how it's, you know, stacked against black people. And you like we know that the government flooded black communities with drugs, like where they was um, like when you look at the um, uh, contracts uh, during the 80s, during the Reagan administration, how they were funding like the CIA with drug money and stuff like that. So. Like, you see stuff like that, and you know, okay, well, that's true. So, it makes it a little bit... Like, I'm with you. I tend not to buy into it. Like, I've had (laughs) a conversation with my friends where I was like, God, I can't stand it. I was like, this "This pandemic is the worst thing for the woke, like, the quote-unquote woke person. Because now they in their bag, and they really, like, running free with (laughs) the conspiracies and so... Like, that was frustrating me, but I can, I'm with you where it does make you 
question. Like you look at it and you go, well, why is that? Like, why is this doing like this going now? And I can see it, it's it's not hard to try to piece it together. I do try to keep it logical. I just I'm not saying I don't like I don't think this is like a man made thing. Like that was like this guy at my job. We was having this kind of like mild debate about it being a, a man made created thing. And I was like, I don't really think that's the case. I do think it's just a something in nature and this thing happens and it's just that this isn't something we've really seen in our lifetime but if you go back through the history of mankind stuff like this has happened and to a right i don't i don't necessarily think it was um manufactured in a lab or anything like that um and like you said it could just be coincidental but it does make you question you Mm -hmm. know for sure it just makes it does seem Mm -hmm. very um coincidental yeah um, i had like it's i had a well it wasn't a debate well it was a bit of a debate like i was talking with this uh it was on facebook it was one of my friend's cousins and i'm friends with him too because they were talking about they were frustrated about the panic and the people reacting to the panic and, and everything like that and they were saying and and you've said it like you know in terms of the media's coverage of it and I was taking it that they were blaming everybody's panic off of the media and off of news. And I agree that the media can infect or affect how people respond to things. But I tend to put the blame for the panic more so on human nature and on humans because I just think people are stupid. I just think... That's just like, like, Shalai gets on me all the time because I'm not a people person and I'm always like, people are stupid. And so I was like, for like, when they run out and go buy toilet paper, everybody's running out to go get toilet paper. I'm like, you're just creating the problem. Why are you doing that? Like, you're being stupid. Like, when we went out today and we went to just go buy like a few things that we didn't have because I'm going to be home and she, like, because she still has to work. But, um, we went to go get a few things and it's like the, we went to BJ's and all of the meat, like pretty much all of the meat is like going. And I'm sitting there looking at like, this is dumb because they'll literally replace this stuff like next week. And there was no need for you to buy like a year's supply of meat when you're not going to be <laughs> held up in your house for a year like this is stupid and so i was like you don't even have a place for it and so it's like i wouldn't say like like my attitude was from was to me i have no problem with the news reporting this stuff but i do think the news has a responsibility to be responsible in how they're reporting it and but in terms of like people panicking, I put that more on people as opposed to the media or news. Like, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think that's a bad thought. I don't, I'll be honest with you, I don't watch the news a ton mm-hmm. um, because it, it does, does tend to be cyclic. Um, mm-hmm. And once I kind of had made up my mind who my presidential candidate was, I watched mm-hmm. enough and then I kind of was out the last like few weeks. Um, so yeah, I, I do think, like you said, 
it, but I think it's, it's twofold, right? Like mm-hmm. you get people that they're hysterical and go way over the top. And then you get people who super don't take it seriously mm-hmm. and do stupid things. Like the person they said recently didn't, didn't share that they had um, symptoms and boarded a flight and stuff like that. And that's mm-hmm. why I said you have people that are not going to be honest. Um, you have people that are not going to be transparent. Mm-hmm. Um, especially like, you know, involuntary situations like where you have, you know, vacation planned or what have you, and mm-hmm. you just really want to take it. Um, so um, it just is, like like we said, there is, a, a, there's definitely a public health concern where, okay, we want to limit it, and pretty much everyone has someone in their family that will be susceptible Mm-hmm. that even if they don't die, it would cause, like, a prolonged illness mm-hmm. for them, right? So, uh, you know, there there is con- cause for concern to try to li- limit that, and those people definitely should try to stay in the house as much as they can and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, that either of those situations can be, like like you said, people – being stupid and being so over the top and preparing to stay in the house for, you know, months and months. And then the people who um, are, like, not taking it seriously and are contributing to the spread mm-hmm. because they're they're not being careful or whatever. And then you also have, um, the, the, I don't know how much the media has been reporting that, like, you know, it will naturally, because the people have asked at work, like, how long do you think this is going to last, six months, a year? And I'm like, well... Like most viruses, it's going to go away when it gets warm. Yeah. You know, like, you know, it can't really survive. So I don't know how much the media is driving those things home. Like, hey, we want to get, you know, luckily, you know, it didn't come to America until the spring. Um, hopefully temperatures will be warming up here soon and we'll see an upswing. And, you know, even people like our nurse practitioners and stuff have been like, it's going to get worse before it's better. And then mm-hmm. this, and then you have to be quarantined for 14. I mean, I was just the dramatics of it all. And I'm like, mm-hmm. okay. You know, yes, in the worst-case scenario, yes, you're absolutely right. The chances of it being a worst-case scenario for all of our staff all at once is not very likely. Mm-hmm. So let's just carry on, business as usual, make sure we're wiping things down here and, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I think it's like. I think in general. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm sorry. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I, I was I was just going to say, like, I, I think it's like. I think that, like, I was saying to uh, one of my coworkers, um, because she she was talking about how, and it's funny because you had mentioned it earlier about how it's allergy season and and everybody is overreacting to that. And she was saying how she had allergies, and so she was sniffling, and she felt like everybody was staring at her like, "What's wrong with you? What are you?" <laughs> and so I was telling her how I think there just has to be a balance. Because, like you said, there's some people that are careless and don't really think about it, and they're like, "Oh, who cares?" And then there's people like, Ugh, "It's everybody like you gotta get it. It's gonna get worse." And this and that, and so it's like I was like, my attitude towards it is, I feel like you just need to be in the middle. Like you need to be mindful, but you also need to like not like like be so nonchalant like. Who cares? And, like, you know, don't pull a Rudy Gobert where you feel sick and then you will be like, ha, ah, look at this. I'm touching everything. Ah, look at that. <laughs> and, then, and then you ended up having it. And then you gave it to one of your, your teammates. Um, 
So it's like, like I just feel like if you're in the middle about it, like don't freak out. But like, cause like I, my concern, like I said, just like my concern more is about people panicking than it is the actual disease. Like I'm, I'm more concerned about people like doing stupid stuff as opposed to like the actual virus itself or anything. But right. uh, I will say that I'm not jumping up because at first I was actually like, well, sucks. I might come home for a period of time, like an mm-hmm. extended weekend or something because flights were cheap. Mm-hmm. So that was my first thought. Then I was like, yeah. I, I looked up really flights. <laughs> getting on a flight mm-hmm. or me getting sick, I was more like, well, if I come home, both of my parents are over 60. My grandmother's almost 90. She's 89. Mm-hmm. And let's say I'm potentially exposed at the airport or something like mm-hmm. that. Like, do I even want to to do that? It was more them than, than me. And then, like I said, day by day, it yeah. gets worse. Um, so the first day that I thought about that, I mean, I'm not just crazy. I was like, it was when I was like, well, people are really overreacting about this. I'm going to take advantage. And then, like, the next day, you know, kept kept rapidly changing and so then i was like well no Mm -hmm. that's probably not the smartest move that i can make um so so yeah no i'll I'll reconsider so that's really where i was and then like um one of our cousins and i were supposed to go to vegas next week um and so i canceled that because i was just like well i'm definitely not trying to touch the dice that everybody's touching (laughs) everybody's touching So, you know what? That's so funny because I am curious is about how it's affecting people in areas like that, like Vegas. Like, I, I ain't going to front because I, I did the same thing. Like, I looked up uh, tickets and stuff. And, in fact, because my birthday is coming up at the end of the month, um, Shalay and I, because uh, I actually looked up, one of my coworkers was saying how there was really cheap flights to Puerto Rico. And me and Shalay looked up flights to Puerto Rico, and they're actually very reasonable now. Uh, in fact, Shalaya found one where it was like $84 round trip. And I was like, dude, wow. let's do it. And so we were like, we're, we're considering it. We're like in the middle of it. Like we haven't like. By the end of the month, listen, I think we'll be on the upswing. Something like your birthday. I say go. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. I mean, I'm thinking the same you thing. You know, just stay away from your parents for <laughs> a couple of weeks after you get back. Make yeah. sure you're good. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm thinking. Because I was like, this is a big one. This is the big birthday for me. So, <laughs> it's like, yeah. I, I got to do it up. But, um, quick question, as a medical professional, because, uh, like, you mentioned it earlier, and it, you, you're you definitely more mindful. Like, I find myself more mindful in terms of touching things. But, mm-hmm. like, I, the, the funny thing, like, and I said this to Shalai, I said, if the good thing that came out of this is that people who go to the bathroom, wash their hands every time, then this was worth it. Because it is mind-boggling to me how people were admitting and talking about how they would go to the bathroom and were not washing their hands. That is disgusting. It makes zero sense to me how you go to the bathroom and you don't wash your hands. That's insane! So, yeah. So, let's go. So that was the uh, first half of the uh, conversation of uh, had with my cousin Ebony, and again, it's 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 just listening back to it. It really strikes me how 
different it was at that time. I mean, and it's just our attitude because, again, there was so so much unknown. Like, we knew we had to try to social distance and, and stay in the house and do things. And, and again, it, the most important thing is, yes, washing your hands. Um, but it's like just hearing it in terms of what we were thinking at that time but thinking oh it could only be a couple of weeks and you know we'll be okay and that's gonna help in a couple of weeks and now it's really looking like it's probably gonna be uh at least a month maybe two so again we don't know like i know that the um trump's crazy behind was saying he's hoping that everything is kind of back getting reopened back in uh, like by easter and i'm like dude that Right now, that seems way far off. Like, I'm not going to sit there and say that he's, like, demanding or wanting it to, you know, like, demanding it. I think everybody hopes, like he said, I hope it's open by Easter. I'm like, what? Man, I think everybody is hoping for that. Like, I think people are hoping that this will be over by the end of this week. But that's not likely. That's not reality. That's not the reality that we live in. Um, And so it's like, but I do think people just have to be smart about it like we would say like you can't just take this like oh this is not not that big a deal no it's a big deal this has been a big deal it's a big deal and nobody's saying panic there's still no reason to panic there's still no reason to freak out but it's people really need to take it seriously and if i think people took it seriously then you wouldn't have the spread or we wouldn't have the spread that we we end up having because Everybody's just like, oh, we're just going to do, just live your life and this and that. And um, like one of the things I've noticed in particular uh, going out to the grocery stores and stuff is just seeing the people with the mask and the gloves and everything. And I'm like, it's good to try to protect yourself. But again, the mask is really only good if you actually have it and it limits your ability to spread it. Now, yes, it could protect you a little bit. But it's not really, it's more for people who are working with people that have it or um, it's even more so for people who have it to try to limit their spread of it. And the gloves thing, please don't let the gloves stop you from doing what you should be doing anyway, which is washing your hands. Like I, I saw somebody made a good point of the glove thing, especially when you go to a store. So, okay, you put gloves on and you're going and you're grabbing stuff and you're, you know, picking things off the shelves and you're touching the keypads and you're doing all this stuff. And then, you know, you're getting home and the stuff that you were touching with the gloves, you touch the things that you bought. So then you take the gloves off. You think, oh, I'm good. But no, the stuff that was on your gloves is now on your door handle. It's now on your cart is on the stuff that you brought so you still need to wash your hands like the gloves shouldn't exempt you from washing your hands like even if you look at nurses in hospitals they go in rooms and they have gloves on they take the gloves off and they still go wash their hands immediately or they put on hand sanitizer like people need to the gloves aren't like some bulletproof vest from germs like you still need to be washing your hands when it comes to this so up next is the um Next portion, like second part of my conversation with Corey and Aaron, and we're uh, talking Cowboys, getting a little bit more in depth with the, some of the players that we that the Cowboys lost, and then uh, getting ready to get into the draft and what we think they're going to do. Um, this is the Zero to One Hundred podcast.
But um, so Byron was going. Uh, I heard what you guys thought about Quinn. Um, yeah, I, I kind of agree with you, Aaron. I saw the deal. I mean, five for I think it was five for seventy, but thirty of it was guaranteed. I mean, I thought the fact that they was letting Byron walk was because they was going to try to keep Quinn. Um, I mean, I, I don't have hopes up for them getting Everson Griffin. I I would like them to, but I just feel like, they're, again, they're, they're – I feel like his price tag is a little outside what they want to pay. But um, how do you guys feel about, uh, like, Malik Collins being going, Jeff Heath, um, he's going – and oh, another big one. Witten. Witten's not coming back. How you guys feel about that? Like those losses? Well, I'm okay with those ones because, like, okay, so say like Witten, for example. Witten at this point in his career was an extra offensive lineman, but he was also a voice in the locker room and leadership. But I see it looks like now that Cowboys are starting to bring in some veteran players, like mm-hmm. they're. Gerald McCoy, for example, that can help with that leadership in the locker room. So I think we're okay there. Um, Jeff Heath, I personally never liked Jeff Heath. <laughs> I thought he was – he's a good special teams player. Yeah. That's as far as I would go. Like, I've always wanted his replacement to come somehow, some way. Yes. So I was always waiting for him to get his walking papers. We can bring in a real – safety to play that role. Um, as far as Malik Collins, um, he was effective, but I think they were okay with the signing of Gerald McCoy. And it's, and, and I guess for some reason, they must have not have wanted Collins at all because when yeah. I was going to deal with the Raiders, it was one year for yep. six mil. Yep. So I'm looking at that. I said, oh, well, that's not. Yeah. I don't think they know, wanted to bring him back. Like, yeah. yeah, when I saw the Malik Collins deal with the Raiders, I was like, so they just didn't want to bring him back. <laughs> and I think it's just because right. it's just a different coaching philosophy. Like, I just think that, like, uh, they they said, especially with Mike Nolan, they wanted more weight in the middle, which I feel like I'm kind of okay with because I've been screaming for that. Like, you would see in the playoffs and down the stretch of the season, they was getting ran over. Like they was just getting ran yeah. over, and it's because they were they were their line is small. Like they were small, and but that's Marinelli always wanted those fast, like pass rushing defensive tackles, and I'm like that's good and all, but I still like when I have linebackers that are dynamic, I would like to keep my linebackers free. So to me, if you got more beef up front, I feel like that's better. That's why I'm, I mean I'm really happy with the Gerald McCoy signing. Uh, he is older, but he's been solid. Like, he's never had a year less than five sacks. Uh, they signed uh, – apparently today they signed Don Terry Poe. And so – Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, they signed Don Terry Poe today. Um, that's another – like, that's a space that's eater. A big body. Yeah. So, that's a big boy. So, um, I feel a little bit better about that as opposed to – to the other thing, but yeah, I was a little surprised because Malik Collins is only 25 turning 26, and that's not a expensive deal, but yeah, I'm with you on Jeff Heath. I, I freaking hated Jeff Heath. Like, he should not have been... Jeff Heath is a good rotational safety. He is not a starter. He is not a starter. And I'll never forget 
freaking third and seven versus Los Angeles in the playoffs when all he had to do was make the tackle. He's sitting there getting caught in no man's land, trying like, and just let Jared Goff run for the first down when if you just your dude was covered, the tight end was covered. You just need to do what you're supposed to do, make the tackle. Or he always was taking wrong angles when he was trying to tackle somebody. He just no, I. I was fine with Jeff Heath being going. That that was a welcome thing. So, <laughs> were you, how about you, Corey? Yeah, I made good running with Jeff Heath. I'm glad he's going. Um, it, it was Jason Witten that made the play on about McCoy, we know about Poe, we know about um, Ha Ha Clinton Dix. Like, how, how do you guys feel about some of the, I mean, they, they've re-signed uh, some of the, like Sean Lee's coming back, they re-signed Joe Thomas. Um, also, Justin March, they re-signed. Uh, how do you guys feel about some of the players that they've brought in or some of the players they've re-signed? Do you feel good about it, like going into the draft? Do you want them to do some more? Um, I think, um, the Cowboys with this new coaching staff, like I said earlier, they're kind of taking that approach that they just want to bring in good, solid football players. So, I mean, I'm okay with what they're doing because, like you said, if they're going to bring in the big boys, Don Terry Poe, and McCoy to clog the middle and allow the linebackers just to run around and make plays, then the Sean Lee, you bring him back, you know, it makes sense because Sean Lee, regardless of his injury history, He's still one of the smartest linebackers. And, you know, now my only question about that defense, I mean, outside of it being a new scheme, I feel like once DeMarcus Lawrence got paid, um, and I don't have the stats in front of me, but I believe he only had about, he he had, what, ten and a half sacks, and then he got paid in in his past season when he had, like, five sacks. Mm -hmm. So I, I feel like there were a lot of games that I did not hear his name called at all. And same as, uh, Jalen, Jalen Smith. I feel like he got paid. Um, then, yeah, there were certain games that, you know, he was just overrunning plays or yeah. just not making the plays that he needed to make in covers. And there were some games that 
teams were actually picking on him. Yeah. And they would purposely just, just throw at him because he wasn't making those plays. Yeah, that Bears so, game just, comes to mind. Uh, that Bears game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. They got destroyed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so, you know, so I'm just hoping that the Cowboys, you know, with our new scheme, um, because, like, I've been wanting to have one of those defenses. Now, don't get me wrong, I, I know that we can't be, like, Baltimore Ravens or Pittsburgh, but I just wanted to bring that, that big D to Dallas. Marcus Lawrence is going to have a better year. I mean, it's funny because a lot of fans was turning on him because they was like, oh, you got paid, now you ain't did nothing because the sack numbers wasn't there. But I think it was a combination of things. I was thinking, one, he he had surgery, so he, he really didn't participate in training camp because he had surgery, like, right at the beginning of the training camp. And then I don't think the sack numbers was there, but like Pro Football Focus uh, had did this thing, and they was talking about how uh, they look at pass rushers and they look at it beyond sacks because it's like if if a defensive end forces a quarterback to the, another guy and the other guy gets the sack, well, it wasn't, you know, the other guy got the sack, but there was the other pass rusher on the other side that forced him. And they was talking about, like, he still was, like, playing hard, and he still was good in the run game. So I – the sack numbers wasn't there, but I don't think his season was 
as bad as a lot of fans would say his season was. And I'm but at least I'm hopeful that now that he has a full off season or, you know, we don't know what's go when training camp if there'll be a training camp, but hopefully there will be. Um I don't know, I think he'll bounce back. To the bat for right. So once again, that was the second part of my conversation with Corey and Aaron. And so there's one more part left, but coming up next, this is the conclusion to my conversation with my cousin Ebony uh, and, you know, getting to some medical questions uh, for, to get her medical expertise in regards to practices for uh uh, what people are doing and again this is our final conversation I had with her and we were talking about the uh, coronavirus the medical question that I have is we know that soap and water washing your hands that's really the best practice hand sanitizer because that's the other thing people nutcases going crazy buying all the hand sanitizer uh, it was it was funny because it was a story this week where a little kid got in trouble at school because he was charging people like sixty four. He was charging kids sixty four cents for a squirt of a hand sanitizer. <laughs> I like his hustle. Exactly. I was like, "What are you getting in trouble for?" That boy was hustling, and if these dummies were willing to be stupid enough to pay sixty four cents when you could just go wash your hands for free. That's on them. That boy shouldn't have got in trouble, but. Hand sanitizer, does it actually even kill germs or is it just like it just kills bacteria, which is not even really the thing that is causing um, the. So the thing in hand sanitizer is just alcohol. So alcohol mm-hmm. does kill, you know, germs and bacteria and everything like that. But the strongest disinfectant that there is. Mm-hmm. Um, not all hand sanitizers have the same amount of alcohol. Um, content you can look on the back of them and some of them um just aren't as high some are, are extremely high um because you know if, if you're rubbing your hands with alcohol all day of course then it affects your skin so if they are effective i think one thing that people don't realize is that they expire mm-hmm. um and so oh see i didn't even know that to, i'm sorry didn't know that yeah, yeah. If you look on the back of any hand sanitizer either on the back or on the bottom it'll have the expiration date so I never personally ever buy like the, bar- the large jars anymore because I'm never going to use them <laughs> before, mm-hmm. um, you know, it, it, it goes bad from, you know, my, my, myself, um, cause I live by myself. So, um, you know, so I think that it, it, it's, it's effective because it's convenient and you can do it when it's out. It's, they've done a number, even like kids have done like, um, science fair project showing that it's not as effective as soap and water mm-hmm. and hospitals have because at one point hospitals are going crazy with the hand sanitizer so you put them everywhere mm-hmm. and then of course you know running water there is a utility expense there and stuff like that so you know people were like wow this is the best thing and then they balance that with you still have to wash your hands every hour but like use the hand sanitizer before and after going into a patient room mm-hmm. so they kind of balance it to say like it, it doesn't replace hand washing uh, because a number of things, so it reduces germs for sure, but it's not as effective as soap and water. Um, and then, you know, like the news has been sharing, like we learned when we were kids. I think when I was a kid, when they talked about proper hand washing, they would have us sing the alphabet song. Mm-hmm. And uh, now they're, you know, doing all kinds of things, saying like, yeah, sing this song two or three times 
um, you know, then that's how long. So, and, you know, making sure you get under your nails and, you know, washing up like past your wrist and things like that. So, you know, there are things that you can do that, like I said, you can be more mindful of, we could be educated on, but it shouldn't just last just this time that we have Corona in general. Those are things that we should be doing. And that's what I was talking to the staff about. I was like, you know, really, we should be this vigilant whenever anybody comes in with a cough or Mm -hmm. when they, you know, make an appointment because they have a fever or something like that. We should be this careful to clean behind them in general. So I think this will make us better as healthcare providers um, moving forward to just be more conscientious of this spread of germs and the protocols and even for us, like for me being in an administrative position, a lot of our staff was unprepared for like what they call PPE, personal protective equipment mm-hmm. and what to do. Like, so I had to make sure everybody knew how to don it properly and they didn't <laughs> really because mm-hmm. there's a certain way that you have to take off the gloves and put it on and a sequence, so to speak, so that you are protected and, um, it was interesting to see how many people failed that, including physicians who have been away from it, that type of training oh, for wow. so long. Because um, if, you, if you're if you not in a hospital setting or you're not a surgeon, you don't scrub in anywhere. Mm-hmm. You know, like if you're an internal medicine doctor and you work in a, strictly in an outpatient setting, um, even if you do rounds and stuff like that, you do inpatient, you're not in a sterile environment. Um, you're not required to do that. So it's a skill that's lost. Mm -hmm. And so, like I said, it was just like, well, we need to tighten up on this. This is a competency that we should be testing all of our staff on every year because something like this could happen at any time and we need to be prepared. People need to be able to trust. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And your your doctors know what they're doing to not spread stuff too. So That's a great point. That's a great point. So here's another question. I I was out today, and there was a number of people I was seeing wearing face masks and stuff like that. Again, now correct me if I'm wrong, the face mask, isn't it only really for people who actually have it because it limits their ability to spread it? Because you wearing a face mask literally is not really protecting you from catching it. Yeah, um, it's to protect other people from spreading it. And I think also um, because it is, like, spread through, like, respiratory um, Mm -hmm. methods, like where you can breathe air droplets, like if somebody coughs and you happen to breathe it in, Mm -hmm. you can spread it that way. The likelihood in a public space for you to catch it that way, unless somebody is very close to you, mm-hmm. is very, very low. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think more so people started doing it on airplanes where the air is circulated mm-hmm. to protect themselves. Now, why people are doing it just in general, um, I don't know. I know that some people who are more immunocompromised and have, like, like I said, lung conditions, sometimes just breathing really cold air mm-hmm. will exacerbate them. Um, and so I've seen people wear masks for that reason, but, um, we also give out masks when people come in and, you know, they say they have the flu, they think they have the flu. We give them a mask. So again, if if they cough, Mm -hmm. um, you know, it doesn't propel the air. So it is protection for the person wearing it as well as others. Mm -hmm. Um, 
I don't really understand like people who are just wearing it walking around. Like those yeah. are the people that I think are extreme. I'm like, oh, okay, because it's, it's not like it's a fun thing. Yeah. Now, is it because one of my friends <laughs> recently posted a picture, and uh, she she was wearing it on an airplane, and she put the disclaimer. She put the disclaimer. She was like, "Well, this is just so I won't touch my face." And I was like, I I heard someone else on the radio reiterate that's the reason why they did it. And I was like, okay, I I can sort of understand that. Is that a like, does that help? Like, do you think that is a good step? Like, because it keeps you mindful of, like, because they say, you know, hey, if you touch it on the surfaces, don't touch your face because, or, you know, your mouth and nose and stuff like that. Is that a, do you think that's a good deterrent? Maybe. I mean, you're not touching your mouth, maybe, um, but you're just as susceptible around your eyes, if not more. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but then do you, do you what wear goggles? And even still, I mean, most people we're so we're so trained to like if our eye itches, mm-hmm. we rub it. Exactly. Right. Like I wear contacts, and there's times where I'll even forget that I have my contacts in. And I'll rub my eye, and then I'll move my contact, and I'm like, oh crap. Um, I've never you know. been more mindful of how often I touch my face until this. Yeah, I have too. <laughs> I have to, I mean, but when I'm in the house, you know, mm-hmm. by myself and I'm comfortable. Um, but yeah, when I'm out, I think I have to been a little bit more mindful of it. it, it mm-hmm. You know, like our policy, our official company policy is that we're supposed to um, wipe down our keyboard and things at least once a day mm-hmm. and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I have to make sure that people like have been informed and I had them sign that they got the policy and did I wipe down my computer? No. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's just, I was like, oh, I'm not being very compliant. I'm not being a good leader here. Um, so, I mean, those kind of things, I think it's more when you're in a shared space and you're in a cubicle space. I mm-hmm. think that's important at this time. You know, when you're sharing fax machines, and like I said, people are kind of trained to be careful of, like, doorknobs. Mm-hmm. But there's so many other points of contact that we have throughout our day with one another. Um, like, okay, you may not touch the doorknob, but at the break room, what about the refrigerator door? Mm-hmm. Or what about, like, you know, the microwave? And, you know, so there there are, you know, tons of touch points where we could spread things from one another um, that we need to be mindful of, for sure. So I don't think, getting back to one of your first questions, asking people that do have the ability to work from home that they will. And I wonder how much of a revolution this will have on the workforce in general. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I have staff members that I allow to work from home that do more like business office function. Mm -hmm. Um, And I would love to be able to allow that a little bit more, but the trust that they're actually working, there are some people that like, I know it wouldn't be. Like, I know that they wouldn't be. I mean, and there's other people that I'm like, okay, I don't care mm-hmm. if you walk away from your computer and you go put in a load of laundry or you run out to the store and come back and you finish your work. Like, mm-hmm. I really don't care as long as you do what you need to do. Mm-hmm. But it'll be interesting to see if, um, you know, large employers and groups decide to go more that route to cut down on the overhead of the leak space and all that yeah. and the cleaning staff and all of those things in order to 
to have people work from home because some people prefer that. It's some definitely people. something. It's funny because, if, for example, at my job, we actually just recently put in a policy that we couldn't work from home anymore. Um, it was actually like they wanted us to not work from home. And, you know, the reason it, it actually made sense from a pra- like from a practical standpoint, because we, we actually just had like a merger with another company and it's a lot of changes have come from that. And I think they wanted to make sure that they showed the importance of why we have an office building as opposed to, mm-hmm. well, oh, if you can do it from home, well, why do we have this office building? So I, I, I think people are a little concerned from working from home during this time period because they're like, well, what if they see the numbers? And then they're like, oh, look at, look at how much money we save with this. So, <laughs> so I can't. Yeah. I can understand people's concern, but I think this is still for the better, uh, for the greater good in that regard. But um, I really appreciate you jumping on, Ebony, and answering a lot of my questions. Is there any health tips or any advice you want to give to people before you go? Um, I don't think that I could share anything that hasn't been shared, but like I said, I think people... The biggest thing that I can say is that people should really evaluate their loved ones um, and make sure that you're mindful within your own circle of who would be in that group of susceptible mm-hmm. folks and make sure that you're limiting your contact with them and that you're encouraging them um, to to stay, you know, healthy and, and mindful of of what's happening because the numbers that are reported are only the ones that are reported, right? Like, mm-hmm. if somebody's walking around and has it, it's not reflected in what's in the news and what's being the information that's being shared because how would they know? Yeah. So there is, like, an algorithm where you can say, okay, based on the rate that it's spreading, we can guesstimate that by this date it would be here. But, you know, people tend to, like, if it's not a reported case, right in your backyard, like not really worry about it. And mm-hmm. so I think that one thing that people could look at them, you know, like their own circle and just say, hey, like I said, hey, I thought about coming home, but eh, based on who I will be coming to see, it's probably not a good idea for me to go see them right after getting off a plane where I know there's been reported cases here in Indianapolis mm-hmm. of people who have been So Okay. Just of that. Well, thanks again for joining me, Ebony. I really appreciate it, and I will definitely have you on again. All right. Enjoy, Billy. Thank you. All right. Have a good night. Okay, you too. Bye-bye. Once again, big shout-out of thanks to my cousin Ebony for jumping on and uh, talking with me. Uh, Again, that conversation was from about a week ago. Um, And I definitely am not going to, to Puerto Rico or going on my trip for my birthday because we're not going to be really able to go anywhere just yet. But it, it's also given some creative ways of getting together and socializing. Like last week um, was my brother's birthday and we had like a virtual birthday party through Zoom, which has been really, really fun. Uh, and we're uh, probably, I think we're supposed to be doing a game night tomorrow um, as well. So it's, you know, I, it's forcing people to be creative in terms of what we can do to socialize and interact with each other. Uh, so up 
next is the final uh, portion or the final segment. It's uh, the ending conversation with my brother Corey and Aaron, and we're again talking Cowboys. And thanks for listening. This has been the Zero to One Hundred podcast. Like with the draft coming up. How do you guys, like, are there players that you guys are looking at that you would like them to draft at 17? Like, here's my, my thoughts on it is, well, at least from what I was seeing, with with some of the moves that they've made in free agency, at least I feel like there's not a pressing need at any position. Like, the only one that I would probably say is maybe receiver because they I think they wanted to bring Cobb back, but I, like, I think Bill O'Brien is a nutcase in Houston, and I don't see how in the world he paid Randall Cobb that kind of money. Uh, but um, do you want them to go offense because then they could have a offense that just tries to outscore everybody, or do you really be like, no, nah, they really need to fix this defense, so they got to go defense at 17? Like, uh, Corey, w- w- what would you like them to do? I'd rather them go defense. Um or a cornerback or, you know, somebody in the defense in pass field. Because I feel like, um, you know, the, the, the talent that they have with, already with uh, Dak, Zeke, and Amari kind of shows that. And uh, Michael Gallup really came on last year, so I think he'll, you know, only get better. And then with Blake Darwin being a starting tight end, I feel like they don't need a lot more on offense. And so they should really focus on um, – making the defense just as dynamic as, as the offense. But, um, so I, I would hope that they would go for, you know, a cornerback. But I guess like with the Frederick retirement, if they went offensive line or decided to trade down to get more picks to get off offensive line, then because like you said, they don't really have a prepping need anywhere based on bringing in um, high Clinton Dix and McCoy and Poe and uh, Jarwin becoming a certain tight end. So, you know, like the slot receivers, I feel like that's something that they could get later on in the draft. And so I would hope that they would go defense. Uh, but if they traded out their first round to get more picks, I'd be okay with that too. Okay. Aaron? Well, it looks like that this draft. Um, if we're looking at early on, and again, this was before I knew anything about Travis Frederick. Um, mm-hmm. I would say it was written that we were going after a ball hawk mm-hmm. in the secondary. And uh, there's one guy in mind that stands out, uh, Xavier McKinney from Alabama. Mm-hmm. He can play corner. He, he can play safety. He can play nickelback. Like, he's a ball hawk. So I feel like that's something – this defense has been missing since the days of Darren Woodson. I, I just I just feel like we need someone solid back there who who can play that center field and just make plays. Mm-hmm. They turnovers come up in the box and then, you know for run support make big hits. So now the um one thing I will say is um I know y'all mentioned about um receiver because Todd left now this is definitely one of the deepest drives I've yeah. seen in a long time as far as wide receiver. So I think we can go third, fourth round and still grab a solid wide yeah. receiver. So I'm not really worried about the offensive side of the ball. I just think that we need to probably just take the approach because, like you said, there's not really any glaring holes. So why not just go for the 
best player available. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's probably our best approach. But, you know, the more I read about Dallas, there's some good players that they're actually looking at. Um, I, and I don't know if you've ever seen uh, Antoine Winfield Jr. Yeah. He, he's a safety, safety, safety from Minnesota. Um, yeah. He's a, he's a ball hawk, and that's someone that we could get in, like, third round. Yeah. So, there's a lot of third out. I mean, even, like, we've been linked to Grant Delpit, the safety from LSU. Mm-hmm. We've been linked to him for a, a long time. So, I think, overall, just as long as we, you know, grab someone early on defense, especially with that secondary, I think that will be fine. I was, like, initially, my f- – feeling was they got to go defense and in fact like the player I wanted them to get before they did some of the signings was um, Javon Kenlaw from uh, Mississippi the defensive tackle um, okay. like that's who I was hoping they was going to get but I kind of I find myself almost leaning towards wanting them to get that to go for that 40 plus offense and I'm like, because, and the only reason I'm saying is because, like, because, yes, the wide receiver class is so deep, but I'm like, if C.D. Lamb from Oklahoma is sitting there at 17 or Jerry Judy from Alabama is sitting there at 17, I'm like, it's I'm like, Ugh, you pass on that? Like, but I, I guess I feel better about it because I feel like they could still get a really good, defensive player or that's why I kind of was like because like you brought up Antoine Winfield Jr. and that's like yeah that's a name I heard that's a good ball hawk safety that could easily be there for the second round or even possibly the third and yeah some of the corners that you was talking about earlier like Trayvon Diggs um, uh, uh, Fulton it's like they might be there in the second round Um, I have heard a lot of people saying uh, Henderson from Florida is the corner they might take at 17. But I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I guess I'm with you guys. I'm leaning more towards the defense because I do think with them having locked up Amari, Gallup, uh, Zeke, Jarwin, like I think the offense is going to be straight, so they really don't need it. And they could get a, a good wide receiver later. So let me ask you guys this because this is something I thought about <laughs> today when the around the country – They've been doing the stay-at-home things, uh, you know, announcements. And uh, I think today they came out that the Olympics is leaning towards postponing the Olympics till next year. Um, Are you guys concerned that the NFL season might not actually start on time? I know that's a far ways off, but initially I was like, oh, of course this is going to be fine. But the way more and more stuff keeps getting closed and the way they keep talking about the spread worldwide and the spread in this country, are you concerned because of corona or COVID-19 that it's going to delay the start of the NFL season? Um, I'm going to say no because NFL is a sport that's played outdoors. Mm-hmm. So I think there's a little bit less risk there. And also, if you look at this overall as a whole, so, you know, you could say that now, after nine weeks, China just went back to running their regular basketball league. So they're back up and running. Um, I see that Major League Baseball is probably going to start, like, mid-May. Mm-hmm. So I think because of football, you know, not starting, you know, until, like, September, 
Vegas with the preseason. I think at most, instead of four preseason games, we'll get two. Mm-hmm. And they'll just kind of extend training camp a mm-hmm. little longer. But as of now, I don't see any problem with the, um, there being any type of delay to our um, to the start of the football season. Mm-hmm. Okay. Corey? Yeah, I, I would say, because I guess, like, it's, the football season doesn't start until, like, you know, early September, so we would be looking at, like, you know, maybe a little less than six months from now. So that even if, um, you know, because I feel like, I guess, China and South Korea, the countries that were on top of it, they got it handled in, you know, three months, two, two to three months, basically. And so we may be a little behind. And so, you know, I feel like it's, it's probably going to be at least three months until things start, you know, kind of get back into the swing of things. And so mm-hmm. we're probably looking at, like, late June, early July. And so, you know, tra- they may, out of caution, um, you know, push training came back or whatever. And so, like Aaron said, we'll probably see less preseason games. But I, I, I can see the season still starting on time because that's basically, like, you know, six months from now. Mm-hmm. So, you know, unless things take some kind of dramatic turn for the worse, uh, I think, um, you know, with all the restrictions that are in place now, hopefully six months from now the, the NFL season will be able to go on as usual. Yeah. I'm just saying, I was like, like I was telling my wife today, I was like, I'm, I'm, I was like, I was, I was upset that the NBA season was over, but it didn't bother me that much, especially because my fantasy team was starting to falter, and I think I, sh- I made, I feel like I made one too many trades, and that thing just blew up in my face. But anyway, um, the March Madness bummed me out, the Olympics bummed me out, but I was like, man, if if they if they delay football, I'm gonna lose it. I don't know how. <laughs> I was like, football don't start on time. I, I was like, I can't make it. <laughs> but, oh, that, mm-hmm. since I got you guys on, I also want to know, because the new CBA went through, so by 2021, I believe they want to have uh, a 17th uh, regular season game. It's going to drop it from four preseason to three. It'll be a 17th game starting this year. They're gonna have two more playoff teams, so the only the only the one seed is gonna get the the first week by. How do you guys feel about those changes? I think the seventeen games is just. I know that they're just setting it up or whatever to get the eighteen. I kind of wish that they would have just proposed eighteen and 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 uh, you know said okay, well we'll. It just doesn't make sense. Like with mm-hmm. the 17 games, the, the records are going to be crazy, and then you're going to have some teams, I guess, with uh, nine home games or nine road games. And so, yeah, you know, the extra playoff team, I think that's cool. Like it, it, it it's more playoff uh, football, and you know, maybe crazier things will happen with extra games and all of that. But the 17 games is it, just like either go to 18 or keep it at 16. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about the extra playoff game? Oh, yeah. So, um, with the extra playoff game, oh, well, well, I'm sorry, the extra playoff teams, um, I like that, you know, for the benefit of being a Dallas Cowboys fan under the Jason Garrett 
errors that were always like one game out of it. Mm-hmm. So that could have benefited us. But I think that also helps that one team that gets hot at the end of the year yeah. and kind of makes some type of you know Cinderella run. I think that can benefit a team like that, but it can also hurt a team. Because mm-hmm. if you're going to have a second 17-game regular season, then you add an extra playoff team, what's going to happen is those teams that clinch early, that 17th game, they're going to rest yeah. people, probably the last two or three games. So they may come in, you know, not having that that balance, that rhythm that, that they once had. And, you know, you could have a hot team coming in and, you know, take out a, a top seed. So yeah. I think, you know, there's pros and cons to it. Me, I love the underdog. So I would be all for it. But I think, you know, either way you take this, you know, you're going to have arguments on both sides. Yeah, and, 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 and you know, and that's what I was saying. Like, I just feel like what's going to happen is, you know, it's just going to be a wasted week. You're going to have a week when there's going to be a lot of first stringers sitting mm-hmm. out. So it's going to look like a, a preseason game when you might only have one or two marquee matchups that actually matter during I'm, that last week. I absolutely hate the 17th game. I mean, I, I hate it. I mean, when I even first heard, like, when they first was proposed at 18, I was like, no, leave it at 16, cut the crap. Um, the fact that they pushed it to 17 is so annoying to me. I just, I loathe it. Um, I like the extra playoff teams. I mean, I guess, I guess the people that say like to counter your argument or Aaron to say like that they'd be like, oh well, they go and sit people. I think the fact that they put to where only the one C will get the buy is a little bit more of an incentive because usually it's like if you were gonna only get like the one or like you was gonna say you was gonna finish one or two, you would be happy finishing second because you still gonna get the buy. But now, if it's only one team getting to buy, then maybe you will fight that much harder to the end. But I just I, I agree with you more so. I think it's going to be more like teams that clinched or got something going. It'll be like, you know what, forget that last game. Because I just think it's – I don't know. I don't like it. I just I don't like it. But, well, I really appreciate you guys joining me. Um, I appreciate you uh, talking about your Cowboys – uh, feelings in regards to what they're doing in free agency and upcoming season. Like, uh, I'm definitely going to have you guys on again probably before the draft, so, like, especially like once it gets closer, we can nail down who we really want the Cowboys to target and we can talk about the draft and stuff. So I hope you guys are staying safe out there, and I really appreciate you uh, joining me. No problem. All right, I'll talk to you guys later. Thanks. All right, bye. That's going to do it for the uh, 0 to 100 podcast episode 34, uh, what I'm calling Cowboys and Corona. (laughs) Thanks again to uh, Corey and Aaron for joining me. Uh, Again, my cousin Ebony, um, who joined me, you know, as well. Um, Quick disclaimer. So with Don Terrio, excuse me, with Don Terry Poe, uh, at the time, I thought he was signed because it was like the reports were out there. They were close to a deal or deal was done. Uh, it was actually held up because, you know, physicals have to be done to complete any contract. And physicals are hard to do right now because you can't travel to the team's facilities and everything. Um, 
So they did finalize it actually, I think it was late last night. Um, today is Wednesday. Um, so, as, but as of now, he has been signed. So you got uh, the starting line right now looking like it's going to be uh, Demarcus Lawrence, Gerald McCoy, Dontari Poe. And I guess the other end would be, I mean, I know they still have Tyron Crawford on the team, um, but I keep hearing rumors that he's going to get cut. Uh, I still think that they could get another pass rusher to come in there since they lost Robert Quinn. Um, Randy Gregory did file for reinstatement. Um, You know, he he dropped to the second round because of his issue with marijuana, but because of the new collective bargaining agreement that there's no longer a suspension for uh, players that test positive for marijuana. Like, they really got rid of the harsh penalties for that. Uh, I don't think that would be an issue for him. And I know he was doing it for medical reasons because he, he is, like, I think he's been diagnosed with bipolar. So he was using it for, for medical reasons. I know a lot of players do it. But anyway, that shouldn't be an issue. So um, to me, if you got line of, I, I think there's still potential for Randy Gregory there. But what I would love for them to do is, is go after uh, Everson Griffin, I mean, or Jadavian Clowney. I, I would jump. To the moon if they actually spent money and got Jadavian Clowney, but you know, we'll see. Um, plenty of Cowboys to talk because, like I said, the NFL free agency and draft and stuff is really the only sports game in town because, as of this posting, the Olympics has been canceled, uh, well, postponed until next year, so it's not gonna be this summer and it's gonna be next summer, which so bums me out. So, we lost. Uh, basketball, we lost much madness, which is like my so my sporting event rankings like Super Bowl is all time number one, uh, second is March Madness, and then third is uh, Summer Olympics. And I can't remember if I put Summer Olympics over March Madness or not before, but it's it's usually Super Bowl, March Madness, Summer Olympics. Like I f- absolutely positively love the Summer Olympics. It's fantastic. So it bums me out. But it's pretty much, it was inevitable with the way things have been going. Uh, you knew that was coming. Uh, I just, I'm praying, like I said to my wife, I'm praying that this does not mess up football. Like I'm praying it's under control by then. Cause if I don't have football, I don't know what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna, I don't know what I'm gonna do. If, the, if there's a shortened cowboy season, a shortened football season or something, I, I'm just gonna, be optimistic and uh that you know i do think it's so far off in the distance that they do have time to, to get that and i don't think he's going to be impacted at least as i say it now i hope not in the next episode of the zero to 100 podcast i can tell you i've uh, reached out to some friends and some other uh, frequent guests that i've had on and i wanted them to come up with what have they been doing during this uh, self-isolation or self-quarantine uh, time period? Like, what are some of the shows or movies, uh, books they've been watching or reading that help them pass the time? Because a lot of people have a lot of time on their hands to binge watch. I have some really good suggestions for people to t- uh, check out uh, during this time period. So, I think that's going to be fun. Um, also, uh, probably going to have... Of course, some some more NFL Cowboys related information to share, but mainly it's it's going to be focused on what are we doing during this uh, 
like self-quarantine time period and also what i would like to try to start doing uh, going forward is if there's any corona rumors or misinformation of this virus uh, of you know I, uh, let me know and I, because one of the things that's been driving me the most crazy is the misinformation or the the crazy theories out there about things and i like to dispel those um so just to to quickly touch on so just uh earlier or excuse me today they have passed the uh, two trillion dollar stimulus package that are supposed to help uh people who are affected by the virus um it was held up because you know the republicans and democrats couldn't find the compromise at the time in fact what it, the main thing was is that the republican plan that was put out there was really just another huge bailout for really big businesses uh, that don't need it and it didn't really give enough money for unemployment or to the workers who are really affected by this virus um they did compromise um and and so if you make individually if you make less than $75,000 then or actually I'm sorry the cap is 75,000 so it's up to 75,000 if you make that as an individual um, you would be getting a check of $1,200 it's a one-time payment if you have children it's $500 per child um, groups uh, like couples if your uh, income is um, equal to or less than 150,000 then you would be getting a check for uh, 2400 um so that is going to be a tremendous help to to people um i know i'm in the process we're in the middle of getting a house and we were moving forward things are a little bit thrown into chaos now um so i have to touch base with my realtor in that regard but uh, um don't forget like the elements that went into this like one of the things that's been driving me crazy in terms of especially when it comes to trump is um at the beginning of this year in january like when this was we were hearing about this virus in china and everything um he was really downplaying it and especially when it got over here he was just like oh it's hoax it's a hoax and you can see the video of him saying it like the thing that kills me with Trump that drives me the most crazy is like this dude acts like we don't have the receipts like we got the receipts bro like we know what you be saying and it's like Don Lemon had made a great point where he was saying that Trump is like gaslighting um trying to gaslight the American public because you know at the beginning of the year he's like oh it's a hoax it's a hoax and then when we really everybody started doing shelter in place and self-quarantine then he came out and was like oh I, I always took it seriously i was the first one to call it a pandemic but, mm, no and then it's like just even in the middle of that he's like he's like oh i'm, I'm hopeful things are going to be open by april like again we you know i know hopeful is not the same as him saying he's going to open stuff up by April, but it's just, dude, you're not living in reality. And then he just really just is thinking that people are going to forget. Like he got rid of the global pandemic team that was put in place by Barack Obama. Um, and he got rid of that. And then when people ask him questions about it, he tries to deflect and deny and refuse to take responsibility for things. So please don't forget this. 
you know, when it comes to the election in November, because uh, he had a major role to play and he failed at his job um, in doing so. Um, also, <clears throat> excuse me, please get your information from the CDC or the World Health Organization who, like, if you're not getting the information from that, then you really need to vet that information. Stop sharing and spreading false information. Is You know, please just cut it out. Um, for, you know, like I said, even when I was, like, listening back to the conversation I had with Ebony, it's like so much has changed and it changes on a daily basis. Like, you know, you, there's this perception of it that, that uh, this was really only going to impact the elderly and the um, people with compromised immune systems. And that's still the case. Like it is, they are the ones that are most at risk, but young people, other people that are healthier or my age or, you know, people that are not as old um, and healthy, you still have to be very mindful because if you get hit hard with this thing, it can put you in a hospital and it can, it could kill you. So it's like, I'm not saying that to freak you out or, you know, cause there's still no reason to panic, but you really have to take this seriously. And one of the things that has kind of been driving me crazy in that regard is when I see, especially there was this governor, uh, Lieutenant governor in Texas, who was like, especially cause the economy, they want the economy to get back on track. And he was just going off on this rant, like, well, grandparents are, we're ready to make that sacrifice if it means getting the country back started because there's this theory that was circulating in terms of of um if this is like a war if you're doing this as, as a war on a virus then one way to get through it and there was an article i believe it was in the new york post um apologize it's either new york post a Wall Street Journal, but what the reporter was saying was it was like an opposite viewpoint in terms of the um, self-quarantine and self-social uh, distancing, and he was saying how if this is like a war, most wars have collateral damage, and there's there's an acceptable amount of loss of life, like you know you're gonna have that, and so what his his point was was that if the majority of people are gonna catch this virus and like you know you catch it and then you beat it like you get through the time period of when you're contagious and you don't infect anybody else and you get through it and you survive it well now your body has the antibodies to that develop to fight off this this virus and so now you have a small window where you won't catch it again because you you develop the antibodies to to beat it off doesn't mean you're completely immune it just means that for a brief period of time you you can get through it and so he's like oh if if the more and more people they catch it and, and beat it and get through it then there's less of a chance of it getting out of control and spreading but he's like but then you will have people that are going to die from it and my thing is like everybody keeps putting out this number and I was doing this especially at the very beginning of it where I'm like oh well the, the flu kills more people the flu kills more people well you know we now know that this virus is actually more deadly than the flu because regular flu kills about um, 0.1% of the people that catch it which and then uh, coronavirus is like three it's between two to three percent is I think the last number I saw in regards to it the thing that people don't seem to 
camaraderie. Well, you know, you hear that number, you go, oh, 97% will survive. That's not bad. Yeah, but you can't look at it by just a percentage standpoint because we're talking about people's lives. Like, this is actual human beings' lives. And I think that gets lost when you narrow it down into these small little percentages. And it's, you know, because the thing that I equated to, I remember I was having this conversation with Shalee about it when I was like, we really got to get beyond this looking at it or just looking at it from a percentage standpoint because it, it almost downplays the seriousness of it because, um, like, I looked at it like when there was the, the government shutdown and the air traffic controllers were on, weren't getting paid and they had to still do their jobs. Like, they were, they I remember they interviewed this air traffic controller and he was talking about how he would do, um, like his job, his success rate has to be 100%. Like it has to be, it can't be like 99%, it can't be 95, like it, it can't even be 99.5%. Because he's like, if my job, if I go 99.5% and, you know, if let's say I handle uh, 100 flights and um, like I'm handling the, the, sh- flight pass of 100 flights and if i am on if i'm only 99.5 percent successful like i'm five percent off like that means that 50 flights crashed and just think about the amount of lives that are like if there was 50 plane crashes that would be insane like that would be crazy that would be horrifically tragic so when you hear the number, like for example, and I'm, you know, if you hear the number of, like, well, oh, 97% of the people that catch this would survive, but yeah, that 3% would be a very, very large number, especially if, depending on the amount of people that catch it. And the reason why it's so important to try what they're trying to do is flatten this curve is because even if people could try to survive it, you know and point out like especially you're seeing more and more stories in this country where young people are catching it and having serious issues like they're being hospitalized off of it and it's because it's you know if you catch it and it's bad enough then you could be in danger and um the thing is that the hospitals right now don't have the capacity to handle multiple cases so you can have people that could probably beat it or survive it but they would end up dying because the hospital doesn't have the resources to take care of them like that's what's going on in italy so that's why this is majorly important so just let's not get lost in oh well 97 can get past it like that's why we want to limit as many people catching it as we possibly can um so just do your part and I, you know, sorry to get a little heavy and serious there on you. Like, uh, I have been uh, working from home like the last two weeks. This is my second week working from home. But my wife has been, um, her job is essential. She's a, um, considered a health worker because she's a social worker and she deals with mental health. And so that's very important at this time period. So she's still been going to work. Uh, now, thankfully, she'll get to work from home a little bit. Uh, she's going to be working from home a little bit. So I'll try not to drive her too crazy. She already, she worked from home a little bit today. It was already like, I don't think I can do this. So, 
but how have you guys again in the next episode coming up um, we'll be sharing some stories of how you can deal with it and again reach out to me let me know uh, what you guys would like like how you've been dealing with it uh, just email the show zero to 100 pod at gmail.com um, follow me on twitter at wcw poet i have really been enjoying doing this show i hope you guys have been enjoying listening so until the next time this has been the zero to 100 podcast episode 34 cowboys and corona we out